I think the worship team, and just thanks uh, for being here this morning. I also want to just mention, uh, we, we, we don't always, um, have, haven't always taken time during the service uh, to take prayer requests and to pray, and I always appreciate when we do it. And I read this quote this week from a guy named Jack Miller, who was a pastor, a theologian. He passed away in the mid-90s, but he has highly influenced um, my life in many, many ways. Uh, but he said this, uh, that the normal church is one where we pray together, and we pray together, and we pray together. And then when we're through... We say, we say we've got to pray some more. Thinking of prayer like breathing. How would you feel if you didn't breathe for about a month? You know, some of you are really good looking. You wouldn't look too good after even a few minutes without breathing. It's your life. And so the first principle then is the normal church is one devoted to prayer and boldness. And so I appreciate, church, that you're willing to pray. And I pray, pray that we would pray and pray and pray and pray together. Um, Thanks for being here uh, right before Thanksgiving week. And if you have your Bibles, uh, if you would turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We have been going through um, some gospel stories and accounts of Jesus and looking at his life and how um, he, the person of Jesus, and we will continue to do that as we go into the Advent. Um, But I wanted us to look this morning at the verse of the month. We don't just randomly choose a verse of the month. Um, We think about it, we pray about it, and so I hope as we do it, it just doesn't become routine that we just say it every uh, Sunday, but you would be challenged to try to memorize it. But this morning, we're just going to look from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. But I'm going to read all the way through verse 13. But Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, says this. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells boldly. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ." having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the chance to gather together at the beginning of the week, to be encouraged and taught through and from your word. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray you would teach us this morning, you would guide us, that you would help us abound in thanksgiving. Lord, I pray you would just guide our hearts and remove distractions, and the Holy Spirit, you would speak, and I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations 
of our hearts. It will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I recently was watching a video that um, answered the question, is going to see Old Faithful worth it? Is, it? is it worth driving out to see Old Faithful? And the answer from the video from the, from the family that was there was yes. It, it's, I've never seen it in person, but uh, some of you may have. They said answer, it, it, the answer was yes. It's worth going to see. And one of the reasons why, two of reasons why it's worth going to see is it, it always gushes all the right stuff. I mean, they had little kids, and they were fascinated by the heat and the smoke, and so it always gushes all the right stuff, I mean, it also just gushes faithfully. That's why they call it uh, Old Faithful, because they can predict within 10 minutes when it's going to go off, and it just is, it does the right stuff, and it gushes faithfully and consistently. That's the kind of geyser that it is. But what gushes out of you when you get bumped? And this is what um, it says at the end of Colossians 7, abound in thanksgiving or overflow in thanksgiving. What, what overflows in you when you get bumped? Which is why thanksgiving can actually be a difficult holiday for many reasons. One, it can be a difficult holiday because it's, it's right before Christmas and all the excitement, you're, you're running, you're busy, and also all of a sudden you're supposed to halt and stop and be thankful for stuff uh, while in the midst of busyness. It also can be a difficult holiday because it can remind you of what you used to have or what used to be, and it's not the same as it used to be. And it also can be difficult and hard as a holiday because it reminds you of what you aren't. And then you're sitting around with people who know you very well, all your family that you were forced to get together with. And you've been on a path to change your life and do differently. And then they, you get together at Thanksgiving. You're sitting with your brothers and your sisters or your aunts and your uncles, and they know you. And you get bumped. And all of a sudden, what you worked so hard for years sometimes to overcome comes, spills out. And the ambulance is called and people are stabbed. And, uh, and hopefully not um, here, but that does happen. Because when people get bumped in the holidays, what spills out of them is often extremely ugly. But what would it take to get gratitude to overflow through you? One translation of Colossians 6, 7 says, put it this way, as Christians... We're supposed to see to it that you always overflow with gratitude. What was to mark the Christians at the church in Colossae was this, that they would overflow with gratitude. And what is, what's to mark us as Christians is to be overflowing with gratitude. But how do you grow to overflow with thanksgiving? How do you become a geyser of gratitude? And I think in this passage, there's three ways that the Apostle Paul helps us say, this is how you can become a person who gushes with gratitude. That this is just what spills out of you when you're bumped, when you just overflows. It's not a waste. It's what's coming out of you. I think in this passage, it says the, the way to do that is to, one, continue in Christ, to pursue Christ, and to abound in 
Christ. The first one is just to continue in Christ. This passage, Colossians 2, 6, and 7, says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. The, the context of the church at Colossae, there's a guy named Epaphras, it says in verse uh, chap, chapter 1, verse 7, who was away. He heard the gospel preached. He became a believer. He went back to his town. He went to the, the little city of Colossae. He started sharing with other people, hey, the Jesus that they're talking about, he died on the cross. He rose again. And people started coming to faith and this church started to gather these people who heard Epaphras share the gospel came to faith then they started gathering together and 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 they were exploding with thanksgiving the book of Colossians numerous times as you read Colossians has the the word thanksgiving and the importance of being thankful all through it but as this little church was gathering and and expressing thankfulness and the Apostle Paul talks about how thankful he is for them Somewhere along the line, this group of Christians, there started to be some errors in the church. We're not really sure what it is exactly. There's been different ideas of what scholars have said the problem was in the church of Colossae. But one of the issues, it seems like they had people coming in and saying to them, hey, if you really want to be with Jesus, here's, this, here's the experience that you have to have. Try for this experience. And it seemed like they started to, to get away from just the normal following of Christ and looking for maybe these experiences. So this error had crept into this church. And so the Apostle Paul heard about it and he wrote this letter to the church of Colossae and said, this is what I need you to know. Here's how I want you to be. And verses 6 and 7 is kind of the key verses of the entire book of Colossians. And so whenever you read the word therefore in Scripture, go back and see what it was Therefore, and that's what he's saying. So it's therefore, because of everything that he has said so far, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And how had they received Christ Jesus the Lord? What was it that they had received? And if you look back in Colossians 1, verses 11 through 14, it says this to this church, to these people. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." What the Apostle Paul says to them is, here, therefore, because of everything you've heard, continue in Christ. Go back and remember what it is that got you here in the first place. And if you want to abound with thanksgiving, if you want to overflow with thanksgiving, remember where you came from and what you have been delivered from. Remember the gospel. Have a clear conversion in the gospel. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, this is a a transaction almost. They heard about Jesus. They saw and they recognized that they they needed Jesus because of their sin, and they made the transaction and they received it. This is what the gospel is. They were were clear on what the gospel is, and this is what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15 Paul said this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, 
that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the transaction that has to be made. If you're going to be a person that when you're bumped can really overflow and gush with gratitude. There has to be a clear conversion to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. Has there been, I just wonder, has there been a clear transaction in your life to Jesus Christ? Not that you've just gone to church because that's what you've done. It's become a pattern, a ritual. But there's a time in your life where you made this clear transaction, where you saw who Jesus was, and you saw who you were as a sinner, separated from God, in need of help, couldn't help yourself, going down a path that was taking you to very wrong and dark places. And then Jesus was expressed to you, and you heard and saw what he did, and you said, "I, I, I want Jesus. And you made a clear transaction with your life, to follow Christ. We had our men's study this morning in uh, Sunday school, the, the, the Catholic Community Cup and Conversation class, and one of the guys just this morning said, and I, I wrote it down as soon as he said it, because he says, he goes, I love Christianity. It, it's, it gave me a road. He was, I was lost. He says, I was heading in a wrong road, and I heard about Jesus, and I saw my need, and I took that road, and there was a clear transaction. Trans- action. He loves Christianity. That, that's an ability to start overflow and abound with gratitude. But here's the reason why that's significantly important. In Romans chapter 1, when Paul is giving a list, and God gives a list of all those who are away from God, one of them is ingratitude. An indicator of an unbeliever, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says the same thing, that people who aren't thankful, who have this ingratitude, it's an indicator that they are not followers of Jesus Christ, because people who have made the transaction, who've seen Jesus and have a clear conversion in the gospel, they see there's an ability to be thankful. It's not only a clear conversion in the gospel, there's just a clear commitment to it. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, so the the, the Lord, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, it's more than just saying, I like who Jesus is. He's He's a nice guy. He's got great stories. Very interesting dramas. But it's, they saw and received Jesus for who he was. He was Jesus the Lord, which means he is the master. He is the controller. He's the creator, owner of the universe. And he is the one who rules. And they said, that's what I'm going to follow. I'm not only just going to convert to the gospel this good news. I'm going to make this clear commitment to receive Christ Jesus as the Lord. Have you also done that? Is that your understanding of Jesus Christ? That he is not just this Savior. He is Lord of your life. He's the master of your life. Are you continuing in Christ? 
Just look at your faith. The Bible tells us to do this. It it talks about examining yourself and seeing if you are in the faith. To make sure that there has been a transition of your life, a transaction where you went to Jesus and surrendered your life to him and then you accepted Jesus for who he was, the Lord of your life. And you'll know if you have because there's been changes that are being made where the things that you want to do, you can say no to yourself because Jesus is Lord. So we need to look at your faith and we need to lock in our commitment or lock in your commitment. Better way to just shut the door. Are there things going on in your life that you know, hey, I, I want to follow Jesus, but I also want to keep this option open. These people, Paul says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk, the, receive him. Look to him for faith and lock your commitment. Shut the door. Some of you have a lot of time off this week, which is a good thing which also gives you a chance to sit down and say, what are some doors to sin that I'm maybe just slightly leaving open? Is there some area of my life where I just need to say, this is it. Jesus is Lord, I'm locking the door. I'm not going back there anymore. It's locked. Because I'm going to continue in Christ. Where you're putting aside your choice and putting Christ back at the center of your life. This is what Jesus said in Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is what Jesus did. He, he continued in faith. And this is what we are called to do. To, to look to our faith and make sure we have this commitment to the gospel, that we have made the transaction, that we are trusting in Christ alone, and that there's just this commitment, clear commitment to Jesus as Lord. And locking things out of our life that we are maybe leaving open, but saying, no, I'm going to say no, because look what Jesus Christ has done to me. That will start to build in us this ability to be people who overflow with gratitude, just to gush with it. Paul says, first, continue in Christ. And then second, he says, pursue Christ. He said, walk in him. As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And being in Christ, that's the, that's the whole foundation of everything. It's not like we're, it is because of Christ that we're able to do this. We are doing this because we are in him. This is the foundation for our gratitude in any area. It's being in him, and then it is walking. And the way it's written, this is a present tense word, which means it's in, it indicates an, it's an ongoing process. We're supposed to be, to, to be walking in him ongoingly. It's, it's just follow Jesus. We've been looking at Jesus' life the last number of weeks, how he walked on earth. He walked everywhere he went. Following Jesus is just this ongoing process. And here's the thing. If we just keep reading through the Gospels, if we keep looking at Jesus, if you follow Jesus, you will always end up at the cross. That's where Jesus walked. And when it says for us to walk in him or to walk like he walks or to follow Jesus, 
The way we follow Jesus is follow Jesus all the way. And when you follow Jesus, it always will end up in a place of suffering. So how do you pursue Christ when this is the reality? As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did Jesus walk? He walked all the way to the cross. And so the way we have to pursue Christ, to grow and gush with gratitude, is we have to accept the way. The Bible says in Acts that the disciples were called followers of the way first before they were called Christians. They were followers of the way. And the disciples, they counted it a joy to suffer for Jesus Christ because they accepted the way. And they accepted the appropriateness of the way. This is why what we're talking about this morning is not just, hey, be really good this week and be thankful. When you're sitting around the table, come up with something to say when they say to you, hey, what should you be thankful for this year? Anybody can do that. This is totally different than that. Jonathan Edwards talked about this when he said there's a thing called natural gratitude and then there is gracious gratitude. Anybody can do natural gratitude. We made it to church today. I'm just thankful for that. My, my car started this morning. Every human being does that. There's a, there's a natural gratitude. That's not what Paul's talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. Just not, I'm not saying just try really hard to be thankful this week. What we're talking about is this this gracious gratitude that overflows out of your life, that is abounding, that just bumps out of you. The the way to to do it is to continue in Christ and to pursue Christ. Ephesians 5.20 says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God the Father in everything. How are you going to do that when everything doesn't go well? When everything can be a struggle, when things are difficult, how do you pursue Christ? It's recognizing that pursuing Christ is going to take me to a cross. It's going to take me to places of suffering. I'm going to accept it. And I'm going to accept it as appropriate because this is what Christ did. Why should I be surprised? But it's also in this, giving thanks always in everything to God the Father. Listen, some of you hate Thanksgiving because you didn't have a dad, or the dad you had was a complete jerk. And you don't want to go, you don't want to sit down, you don't want to think about your holiday experience. That's not the kind of father that God is. God the Father, it says in Luke chapter 11, what is a God who gives his children what they need? He gives us what we need. He is a good, good father. So we give thanks to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is our elder brother who went all the way for us, took all our sin, all our pain for us. And so we pursue Christ by acknowledging and accepting that this is the way and what God's bringing to us. We may not like it, we may not understand it, but it's a good father given to us we're held in the Father's hands and we're held in Jesus' hands and we can acknowledge the distance. God doesn't say to us, hey, just suck it up for a little while. He says, it, 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 it could go a while. Acknowledging the distance of pursuing Christ, which is this. It's a long obedience in the same direction. But as you walk in a long obedience in the same direction, 
It's not always going to be a straight path. It's not always going to be easy roads. We just got back a few months, about a month ago, going down to see Aaron's uh, graduation from boot camp in South Carolina. And we, we left from here, and we basically went southeast. And we, we, it was one long obedience in the same direction, southeast. But we went through flatland we went through hills, we went through mountains, and we went through valleys to get there. But we never left the long obedience of the southeast direction. This is what it is to pursue Christ, to accept the way, to understand and appreciate that it's appropriate for what God's bringing you through, and acknowledge that that distance might be through roads you don't want to go, through life situations you don't want to experience, but we give thanks to a God who has us, a good and loving Father, and a great elder brother, Jesus Christ, who carries us and who has carried us. So we continue in Christ, we abound, we pursue Christ. And Paul says, if you want to gush, keep keep pursuing, keep going in that direction, and then abound in Christ. He says, rooted and built up and established in Him. They're all participles, which means this is a process. It's just... Keep developing in Christ. It's abounding in Christ is developing in Christ. It's developing thankfulness. Very thankful that God allows us the process. And God is extremely patient with us. If you say, man, if I get bumped right now, what gushes out of me is not gratitude. But God says, I've rooted you, I've built you, and I've established you. There's a process for you to be able to gush with gratitude. Uh, he's extremely patient with us. And he paints it by agriculture and architecture. He says, we are deeply rooted in Christ. I had the privilege, actually, of seeing Eric Duvig the afternoon he finished his harvest this season. He just got done it was about 4.30, I think, in the afternoon. He pulled into his house on the, on the farm, and I was there, and he was filled with dirt, extremely exhausted, and tired. As a farmer, they take the seed, and they deeply root it. The seed doesn't do it. The seed gets deeply rooted by the farmer, and then the farmer just has to wait And then the end, he works to get the harvest. This is what this means. We are rooted in Christ. God did that work for you. We don't root ourselves in. God's the great farmer. He puts us in the ground deeply rooted. He's the one making sure he's working in our lives. He's weeding things out of us. He's helping us grow. We're deeply rooted in Christ and then we're built up, we're well-constructed. I mean, Jesus is the master carpenter. He understands your life. You want this in your life, and God says, I can build it better, but it is painful sometimes how he builds it, but he goes, I'm going to build it better than you think. He, he builds us up, he roots us, and then he establishes us. He gives us the strength to do what he calls us to do, which is to overflow with thanksgiving, abound with it. Not with natural gratitude, but with this unbelievable, gracious gratitude. We're strengthened to do it. There's this desire to see in 
others and to share Christ and to share in Christ's work. If we are abounding in Christ, if you're continuing Christ, if you're pursuing in Christ and you're abounding in Christ, this is a developing thing. It's a process that the Holy Spirit and God is, is doing in your life. But as you do it, as you see yourself deeply rooted, as you're built up, as you're established, there is a strength that comes from that. And that strength then gives you a sensitivity to start following Christ. I heard the story this week of a young lady in our area who's a, who God has drastically and radically in the last year started to change her life. She, she left a place where she worked and she she was dealing with some stuff and she thought, you know what, I need to go back to my workplace and share the gospel with my former boss. And so she called them up and she was talking to her dad and her dad said, listen, I'll, I'll take you there and you can do that, but it, let's just know it, it might not go well. It might not be well received. And she goes, no, but this is what God wants me to do. And this week she got into her car with her dad, went to her old workplace, walked in, and abounded with gratitude and just started to share with her former boss and who thought she was just coming back to get her job back. I, no, I just came to share with you, Jesus. She didn't know how it was going to go and didn't know how it was going to turn out. She didn't get kicked out. They had a nice conversation, but she just abounded with thanksgiving because of what Christ has done in her life. It, it gushes out of you. What does geyser gratitude look like in the life, in the life of a Christian? What does overflowing and thankfulness produce in us? I have three things from the last. It, it, it's a see to it right after that in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive. There, there's a soberness that will come in gushing gratitude to the greatness of God, even in the midst of difficulties in your life, there will become in your life the soberness that even though I'm going through this, God is great. And I'm not going to be taken captive by philosophy or empty conceits because the Holy Spirit has me. God the Father has me. There's a soberness, and you'll see the greatness of God greater in your life. You'll have strength to stand against the attacks of the devil. You'll be able to go through the circumstances and the struggles and all the fights and all the conflicts and all the questionings of why and what's going on. And you'll, and you'll understand that there's a spiritual attack and war going on for you, but you'll have this strength as you abound with thanksgiving. It's a gracious gratitude that when, what it will come out of you is an understanding that all these attacks, they will not take me out because Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. He is my defender. He is my captain captor. And the banner over me is love. And then it will settle you in the good and hard providences that are in the Lord's loving plan for you. Because those both things are always true. There's good providences that he's planned for you. And there are very hard providences that he's planned for you. Some of you are in the midst of them now. Some of you will experience some of them in the next week's or months, and in them all, you'll be able to be a geyser of gratitude that when you're bumped, what, won't come, what will come out of you is just abounding thanksgiving, gracious gratitude if 
you continue in Christ, if you pursue Christ, and if you abound in Christ. What's the hope that you can be confident to be, that this is true? How, how do you know that this can be a reality? It, that, that this could be actually your life, that people would say to you, man, that person's going through all kinds of stuff, but you know when you bump them and you press them hard enough, guess what comes out? Just that they're great gratitude. Gratitude gushes from them. Well, how is that possible? It's possible because Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. He took all our sin on the cross. He paid our debt for us. He rules and reigns for us. He's praying for us. He paid it all. And so that is why, to the degree that you direct your hope on that promise and let your life be guided by that reality will be the degree to which your life will gush with gospel gratitude. Let's pray.